previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. You got a lot of people talking about, oh, I remember the good old days of this and this and that. When you think about it, it may have been good for you, but it definitely wasn't good for everybody else. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Welcome to episode 46 of the Sports Refuge, the weekly interview show where guests discuss their connection with sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. This week is a special episode, as in lieu of a new interview, I'll be sharing a recent interview I participated in on the Mocha Minutes podcast, where I was a guest of host Stephanie Williams. In this episode, I talk with Stephanie about the World Series, the Washington Redskins, and other sports, as well as focusing on several other topics, including the death of comedian John Witherspoon, Kanye West's new album Jesus is King, and much more. As for a slight warning, there is some language, so listener discretion is advised. Right now, this special crossover episode with the Mocha Minutes podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Mocha Minutes podcast. I am Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to welcome a first-time guest. I'm excited to have him here. We've been talking for a little while. I'm like, finally, he's here. Mr. Earl Holland from the Sports Refuge Podcast. Earl, how are you this evening? I am doing great. Thank you for having (laughs) me on the podcast. I I was glad that we were able to get a discussion about being on the podcast because I think it's really great to be on everybody else's shows and give a shout out to everybody else who's doing this. Definitely not an easy thing at all. And everybody's had their ups and downs when it comes to putting their shows together. And I think it's good to learn from everybody else and sort of step outside of your uh, comfort zone, especially because when you're so used to doing your own topics and doing your own format, you, you tend to get a little set into it. And I like being able to work with other people's formats and see if I can still hang. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. And let's see what you can do. I tell everybody first time guests, it's like first time you're here, I serve you a plate. Next time you come, just go in the refrigerator and get the food yourself. So I'm a big football fan, but I want to get into other sports. I have not gotten into the shooty hoops. So I only know the entertainment side, you know, the gossipy side of basketball. So that's all I really know. I know LeBron James is a very good basketball player. I know AD was a very good you know, addition to the Lakers. I know that Steph Curry's hand is broken. That's, you know, that's where I am right now. I know um, Kawhi Leonard is literally a walking gift. And every time someone says that, hey, 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 I crack up. It doesn't even matter what it's about. I don't matter the context. I swear he, that one gift cracks me up every single time I see it. Yeah. And it's funny just hearing him laugh too. I mean, it's, maybe a little reminiscent to Eddie Murphy's laugh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just like where you just take a huge gulp of air and it's like, how how is that humanly possible? (laughs) I was like, is he like this all the time? I'm like, what what is this? You go from that weird laugh to what to do, baby. I'm like, what? Seriously, who is this guy? What does he do? It's like, come on. It's like, he's just fascinating. But I think basketball players are fascinating. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and then two two guys fought, and I'm like, "Ooh, fight, fight!" I'm like, "Ooh, I really should be watching this because I'm like, why are they fighting? Then they getting saucy on Twitter. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, I really need to be watching this sport." Yeah, Joel Embiid. I, I live up in Delaware and and Philly's territory. I mean, pardon me, Sixers territory. I got my sports mixed up. But Philadelphia, very big into Philadelphia sports up here. Mm-hmm. 
speed. Yeah, he's got a really big personality. He is probably the perfect fit for Philly sports, especially the Sixers. Definitely. Uh, I know he was talking trash to Rihanna one time because she wouldn't talk to him uh, and all this other stuff. It, it's crazy. He's got a big personality. He, well, he's from Cameroon. So, yeah. And, and he just started playing basketball probably once he got in high school. Mm, okay. Yeah, turned that around. He's become this big star, larger than life. And, yeah, I mean, he <laughs> – Especially, I'd say that's the one thing the NBA does the best compared to every athlete in every sport. Uh, and I know you probably saw that Cleveland Browns player get get pretty much let go for going on a tirade. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it until after the, like, oh, he's been let go because of his tweets. I'm like, wait, what did he say? And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I don't know why people do this weird thing when they get on Twitter and like go at like professional. Fo- this man looks like a tank. I'm like, he will fuck you up. Like, why are you? And I guess you think that he'll just like, you know, let it roll off their back. I'm like, some people are not set up like that. But the thing is, he was threatening violence. And the guy who works for the Browns on the broadcast team just said he blew a tackle. He blew coverage. That's all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything insulting, nothing personal. He just went off and talking about you're going to get the smoke. And, you know, and I was like, ooh. Talks, <laughs> about, talks about Ritz, you know, let's be honest, talks about Ritz and you know, people can right. see Oh, we could say, oh, this is this is this is a plot where he said, Yeah, he called them people crackers, he called them soup cookies, and I was lost. I said, Oh, They're like that's just as bad as the N-word. I'm like, it's not boo, because see, you can't say the N-word on broadcast television. You can say cracker though. Yeah, and I think people have been trying to justify that term for a long time because You've seen Clerks 2, haven't you? Have you seen the movie Clerks 2? I haven't seen Clerks 2. I saw Clerks 1, but I didn't see... I don't think I said Clerks 2. Clerks 2. So Randall is trying to take back the term porch monkey. Uh, Oh. Yeah, yeah, because there's a scene with, I think it's Earthquake and Wanda Sykes in the restaurant. Mm. And he says that. He says that. And then all of a sudden, she's like, Wanda Sykes like, no, we're going to take this back. Take this racist food back. Earthquake's like, maybe you can't taste racism. Trying, you know, and he's like, and he starts going through this whole dialogue, like things his grandma used to. He's like, you know, and of course, Randall. For people who haven't seen Clerks, Randall and Dante, they're they're white guys, and 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 Randall starts going through the thing about. Her. He says, "Yeah, my my grandma used to call me the Porsche monkey all the time. He used to call this, you know, and just start going through all the different the epitaphs that his grandmother used to say." And he starts thinking, "Well, I think about it. It's like it, it, she always said, be nice to to Jewish people, or you're going to get like the shimi curse.'" And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> it's like yeah. what? Oh gosh!" Started, so he started going through the whole movie, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm taking it back. I'm taking that term back." Yeah, and there's that little side note where he's just trying to go through the rest of the movie, try to take that term back, and try to reclaim it for not being offensive. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's sometimes easier, better to see it than me describing it. But yeah, that's probably one of the <laughs> the movies you probably should see. Right, I'm gonna have to add it to the list. I mean, I'm, when I get some downtime, and it's usually around the holidays where I get downtown, I'm making a list of movies. I'm like, I gotta see this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna put that to, on the list. Oh my god, that is so man. I, Man, those tweets took me out. I'm like, he is a big ass dude. Why are y'all doing? I'm like, and he did he put like his address on there? Didn't he tweet out his address too? Oh, he I, that or it's the Browns uh, facility. So he right. told, I was like, yeah, come to this address. I'm like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, 
He's threatening to shoot people. I'm like, what the hell is going on here, baby? <laughs> you, you are three and I think they're three and five. No, two and six at this point. You need to sit down and shut up. Yeah, and he, man, the fact that he put in his work address. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess he'll be there and he won't. So, right. I'm like, not that people like fans don't know where their work address is, but still, it's like, um, baby, what is you doing? It's like, come on, Kawhi, come in here. Hey, 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 hey. See? See, that's how that works. It's like, come on, Kawhi, just break this up. Because I, I don't, y'all getting too spicy. It's not even, ha- wait, is it? It's halfway through the season at this point. Y'all getting a little too spicy. Yeah, this it week, it's like, y'all getting a little too spicy now. It, it's too much dip on your chip. Just, just, you are two and six. I feel like you have bigger problems. And I feel like y'all really should be like, yeah, four and four. I'll be fair. I'm a Ravens fan. I'll say four and four. Yeah, they should easily be four and four. But hey, you know, as this one anchor used to say on Sports Center, they don't play games on paper. They play them inside TVs. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, I'm just happy that the Ravens won because I swear, if, if the Patriots had remained like undefeated, I think I'd be sick this morning. I'm like, nope. And I know Ozzy is just sitting somewhere with his cold beer as he's retired going, yep, that was my last pick. My last gift to y'all was Lamar Jackson. Y'all welcome. (laughs) I'll admit as a Redskins fan and just not a bigger baseball fan, um, I haven't watched as much NFL, but I was watching the way the Ravens play. And honestly, Hopefully, I'm not wishing it, but like, if hopefully, in the case of Lamar Jackson goes down, RG3 can just fit in that offense seamlessly and he'll run it just like the way Lamar Jackson can. Because I think while Lamar Jackson might have a better arm, I still think RG3 can can maneuver this offense. And I still think even him with his two ACL injuries on the same knee, the one that he had in Washington, which I always said after that game, because I was mad, that was playoff game against the Seahawks. I remember because Kirk Cousins was the backup. And the the fact that everybody that the fact that they let him play with a bad knee and an injury against the Ravens, and and they didn't take him out. Everybody should have been fired on the spot. Everybody should have been fired on the spot. Pretty much, you know what? It's so funny. Me and my dad were talking about that two nights ago. I'm like, Dad, I remember when RG three got hurt. I remember that game. It was the first quarter, and they let that boy play. And I'm like, y'all should have took him out. This is a regular season game. They were losing anyway. Pull his ass off the field. What are y'all doing? I was like, and y'all let him play. I'm like, see, I knew, I'm like, I knew y'all fucked up. And then the way they changed the narrative of, we really wanted uh, Kirk Cousins. It was like, no, that's a goddamn lie. Why would you put that big old statue of his ass if y'all really wanted Kirk Cousins? Yeah, and the thing about this, here's the thing. So, and he came back that game. He got hurt. RG3 got hurt in that Ravens game at the third quarter. And then they, and Cousins came in, led the drive, led the run back to tie the game and took, scored a two point conversion to beat the Ravens. And then he played the game against, I think, the Browns. Mm-hmm. And of course, Shanahan and his all this stuff. He also talked about, man, we were thinking about Russell, drafting Russell Wilson at one point. Mm. And, no, y'all weren't. Yeah, yeah, and the, the org- that organization is so bad. And and I always see it like this: you're up by that time against Seattle, they're up fourteen nothing. If you are worried about him and worried about his future, which there's there's so many stories. Mike Shanahan before they went on that run to get to the playoffs, he was about to quit. He was about to quit on that team. Mm-hmm. He was about to quit on that team. He was about to resign and everything. 
all of a sudden, if you think, oh, yeah, Kirk's going to be a good quarterback, why don't you put him in? You're up two touchdowns. If Kirk, I mean, we all know that Kirk Cousins, as, as is proven, he, he always, um, when it comes to clutch situations and when, when it's big time, he uh-uh. doesn't and so, you know, I, I don't see why. Why take the risk damaging the future of the of your franchise? Because imagine a job that you go into, everybody goes into, no matter how successful you are. Mm-hmm. And you out, and by the time you leave or you get kicked out, you get fired, your reputation's even worse. They be, yeah. make look bad. Donovan McNabb looked bad. Mike Shanahan looked bad. The only person, uh, RG3 looked bad. Everybody who came through there most of the time. Thankfully, I mean, Joe Gibbs came back again the only thing was he looked like he was out of touch with the game because he hadn't coached in like 15 years he was too busy doing nascar which i don't blame him man if you like nascar and you can make money off of it who am i to argue and if some sucker's gonna pay you money (laughs) 15 years turn the money down because i I, anybody who says they wouldn't is a liar Uh, somebody says they would is a liar i'll take the money way over my head Right. That's a learning experience. Hey, maybe I'll learn on the fly sometimes. <laughs> you know, you take right. it. Right. It's like, uh, no. Anybody's like, oh, no, I would never. Yes, you would. <laughs> like, yes, you would. And, you know, it's it's fine because I feel like NASCAR is somewhat of a, you know, a money pot if we, you know, we really want to talk about it. But, you know, if you're like, no, no, I would never do NASCAR, I'm like, sure, sure. You say that now, but seriously. Go yeah. go go! Chase the money, chase the money. Split the market. There's always money somewhere, and it, that's how a lot of people make money. Other than like you know, sort of destroying the competition, preventing anybody else. Exploit the market and find a vulnerability or find a weakness or find something that's missing, and then mm-hmm. that product. I mean, I mean, but for that works for some people. I still don't know how Dan Snyder made his money. <laughs> or, I really don't know. And I think his soul is in the in hell with the devil. That's probably how he made his money. And it's crazy. It's like when you hear before he even bought the Redskins, this the working conditions were just horrible. There, he's a communications company, and people don't and his own employees don't like him. What? And, oh yeah. Oh. I mean, worry about the Redskins. Yeah, oh. it's just yeah, hey, but you know, hey, money talks. Even though he he overextended himself and had to buy a whole bunch of money. I mean, get a whole bunch of loans to pay for it. I mean. I guess now that you you basically got like three or four times the money that you spent for that team because I think the team's over what one point three billion or I think so. He paid like three hundred million. So that's nothing. Yeah, because I think he's not. I don't think he's one of the richer franchises. I think the richest is Dallas. Um, but I don't know. I think they're kind of high up there, probably because it's close to DC. Maybe he should melt down that um statue of RG three and sell it. You know, just like who wants an RG three statue, or you just melt down and sell it. Yeah, I, you know, and it's funny. I, I was, I, I'm sort of like this big numbers nerd. I always my daily routine. Sometimes I'll just look up something in name on Wikipedia, and it'll just lead you to this, to this, to this. It's like a slippery slope. You start looking up one thing. I was looking up. I don't even know what I was looking up, and then I don't know. I was looking up. Uh, the Zigfield Follies. I don't know why. And then all of a sudden, hmm. Buddy Epson, and you know who played Jack Clampett on on the Beverly Hillbillies, and then it started leading me to the Wizard of Oz and all this other stuff. And I'm like, this <laughs> happens when you go to Wikipedia because it'll just take you one direction and take you another direction. And the next thing you know, you're reading about how how the states of how the state of Virginia tried to invade the state of Maryland at one point, and and you don't know why. And it, it just happens. What? Wow. Look at you. You down that rabbit hole and I can't do it. 
I, I just can't. I mean, that's that's what happens, man. I, I mean, I always say it like this: it's the the weirdest things. You start on one subject, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, Wikipedia. When I growing up, and I, I used to read encyclopedias all the time. Really? Yeah, small little encyclopedias. They weren't the big Britannicas and all. It's like there was a red and black one called Compton's Encyclopedia. And and that's how old you how tell how old it was. It was like up to 86. So basically oh. it Reagan was the last president in it. And <laughs> Yugoslavia is still a country, a full-fledged country back then. Oh. <laughs> so okay. yeah, and um it's just so crazy. I used to read that stuff for fun. Yeah, that was probably the most engaged I was with reading a lot of stuff that now isn't like, you know, on on websites. Read a newspaper or I'll read ESPN. I don't even read ESPN that much anymore. Mm. I'll read something that me, like I'll I'll read a blog here or there and then just go with my business, watch YouTube, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I used to be a big bookworm. I used to be a bookworm growing up and now I'm like now I'm like audiobooks and I was like, I could read like two or three books a week. And now I'm like, I want to get back into reading because, you know, it's just a good therapeutic thing to just sit still because we're so used to being on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go. And I'm so used to that as well. And I'm like, I miss reading. I miss holding books. Like I was one of those people, like, I don't like buying books. I love getting books from the library. I just like the library smell. I like the smell of library books. I was that weirdo. Oh, I love, when I was in elementary school, I used to get, Oh, how I became a big sports fan. They used to have these little white hardcover books uh, for for each NBA team. So they went mm. up. So I, I was in middle elementary school through before I went to middle school. Elementary school through what ninety five. So basically, they had every team up to I think the Magic, whatever the last team was. The Magic Timberwolves, one of those teams. The last four were the Heat, the Timberwolves the uh, Hornets and the Magic. Those were the last four before Toronto and all them came along. So I was re- used to read those books, read every NBA team book from here to there, from the Bulls, the Bullets, the Mavericks, about the Dallas Mavericks, than anybody else would in Salisbury, Maryland. Nobody knew, probably nobody cared. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just used to read all those books and everything. I used to read comic books every now and then. And and those are the cool thing. I'll admit, I do not keep up with comic books. Everything seems so convoluted. But going to those movies, I know I, I, I pretty much is like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Remember reading this, you know, as a kid or remember thinking about this moment or like, oh, like I was never a fan of how they did the original X-Men first class because it wasn't the original five X-Men. They didn't go with the original. Mm. I can live with that. I mean, first class wasn't too bad. Days of Future Past wasn't bad. But the problem is this. They retconned all that stuff to get rid of all those other bad movies just to make another bad Dark Phoenix movie. And, and I hate that movie so much. I was just like, I just want to go to this theater and watch this movie and be mad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going, I hate watching this. Oh, X3. Oh, God. X3 is no better. And I just uh, got rid of one bad Dark Phoenix movie to do like, another bad Dark Phoenix movie. Or you just, you should have just let it, let the movie die. Uh, and, and, just, I don't know, just let Disney take over. Disney will. Please, please, all please just give us the right color storm. Give us the right X-Men. Give us the right, as much as I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, give us the right Wolverine because Wolverine is two feet tall, y'all. I don't know why we did this. I'm like, I mean, he's a beautiful man and I love him. However, you know, Wolverine is like really teeny. He's a little teeny man and I need some little teeny man to be Wolverine. So I I get it. And I need a properly 
toned storm. Okay. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I mean, uh, man, listen. Maybe leading into Africans too much, but I don't know. Uh, and that's the thing. I'm like, um, she's a she's an African. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, look, nope, I can't do it. I'm not going down this rabbit hole because I will get there, and I know that. Brandon from Why So Serious is listening and he's gonna go, Stephanie. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. So yeah, let me let me just let me just move on because I'll just go. Um oh I wanted to say something about Hugh Jackman. You know what I always thought about this now. If he's done with Wolverine, you know what I'd like to see him play in? What? I'll tell my wife this. I thought he would be the perfect Willy Wonka because I just see him as Willy Wonka. Wouldn't he be good? That's so great. He would be wonderful. Yeah, and I just feel like because he's got the musical chops, so he'll remind you of Gene Wilder. And I just feel like after watching The Greatest Showman, I, I feel like he he could do that easily, and nobody would feel bad about forgetting about Johnny Depp. It's just like it'll be just Gene Wilder, and then just jumping to Hugh Jackman. I don't know why if anybody hasn't decided to do that yet, but I feel like that'd be great. They should do the reboot. I actually, and I don't know if it was just because at the time I really liked Johnny Depp. Um, I actually liked Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So it was like, I, it didn't bother me. Of course, it doesn't hold a candle to Willy Wonka, but I still enjoyed the movie, which was odd. I'm like, and I think it was probably because I just liked Johnny Depp at the time. So it was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I don't hate this. It's not terrible, but I know for people who are purists with Willy Wonka, they're like, this movie fucking sucks. I'm like, I, I can see that too. It's fine. <laughs> I can see that too. I'm like, eh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I just think about it. I was watching some show where they were just talking about Augustus Gloop. It's like, don't you? He's like, you don't know who Augustus Gloop is. It's a little Nazi. It's a fat Nazi kid who got sucked through the. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who was like terrified of that part of him getting sucked up into. Like, name a scary moment when you're a kid. And that part, Willy Wonka, when he was getting sucked up in the tube. And I was like, and at the time I hadn't seen Willy Wonka. I didn't see Willy Wonka until I was an adult. And I looked and I was like, wait, y'all were scared about this? I'm like, what? What? Why? <laughs> it's like, what? Why is it scary? Uh, yeah, I mean, oh my gosh. I just like, because I, I remember we used to read the book in class. It was like second grade. We did we did that. I think we did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and then the sequel where they're in space. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's like when you read it and see all that stuff and it's something completely different when you visualize it in the movie because, you know, when they... Dude, the movie is what was the 60s, 70s. So, it's yeah, as, you know, as I guess modern as what we would think by that time. What if when I first saw the movie, it's probably like mid late 80s. Mm. So, yeah, I remember first seeing the movie, I think it was promoted on Disney Channel. You know, when Disney Channel was just actual learn something as opposed to what it is now. Before we start low key. And I know this happening right now, but as everyone knows, the Nationals brought home they brought home the ship to dc for the first time i believe ever and i don't know if it's the first time ever or just first time as the nationals i'm not a baseball scholar i don't know but it's a very big deal because they beat the astros in the in the weirdest world series i've ever seen where neither team won a home game it's like i what (laughs) uh yeah first time ever that no team in a seven game series won a game at home. No home team won a game. It was, it, but it was pretty exciting. It, it came down to that last inning. And I just thought, man, they're going to pretty much, uh, Nats are going to fight all the way back and just lose this game. But then Howie Kendrick 
who people are going to know that name because, you know, Chocolate City, you got to, you, you probably going to never get have to buy a, you know, buy a beer in Chocolate City again after hitting a Grand Slam to beat the Dodgers and move on and then hitting the, basically the game winning home run. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm just like, huh, well, this was fun. And then, you know, they decided to, uh, you know, today was the day they went to the White House. The, uh, I don't know what his his position is, but he, I think his first name is Sean. I'll screw up his last name. Oh, Doolittle. Doolittle. Yeah. It's, that's pretty easy. But I think his Twitter name is something super weird. So that's why I was just like, um, I'm going to screw up his name, but I'm thinking of his Twitter name. It's like Sean, do 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 don, don, don. And I'm like, what kind of Twitter name is this? But he was like, I'm not going. And I think he was like, maybe the first person to say no, but you know, majority of the team still went. And his Twitter name is what would do do. Oh, see, this is what happens when I don't follow best baseball. Uh, yeah. He and like six other players, including basically their big, one of their big name free agents, uh, uh, Anthony Rendon. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not go to the White House, and basically Doolittle of the seven was the only non-minority player to go. Mm-hmm. Because Doolittle, Victor Robles, a few other guys who are probably of Hispanic descent or Hispanic background, they they did not go to the White House. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, but but you know who did go? Somebody by the last Kurt Suzuki. Hawaiian, he's, I believe he's of Hawaiian descent, too. He is. It's like, okay. And Ryan, so Suzuki put on his MAGA hat because he's so thankful. And then Ryan Zimmerman presented Trump with, you know, the baseball jersey that literally every team does when they present a, you know, a president when they come and see them. So it's not like, Oh, I'm so surprised. I'm like, I'm not, but I think him saying, thank you for keeping our country safe. Like, have y'all been paying attention? (laughs) It's like, "Eh, okay. So yeah. Um, it's kind of just like throwing water on the fire there a little bit. It's like, Oh, we're so excited. Y'all brought a chip and y'all acted like this at the white house. Okay. All right. All right. But yeah, Sean Doolittle. He's like, Hell no, I'm not going. Yeah, and he said it so eloquently, too. That's why, I mean, when people, the problem nowadays, we've lost discourse. When people say something so eloquently, now it's it's normally replied to by a bunch of idiocy and aggressiveness. And, I mean, it's like the movie Idiocracy. We've gotten to the point where people can't say anything without yelling and screaming and acting Acting a fool, which is basically why I just and I look at it from the sports talk perspective because that's what it is on sports talk radio. That's what it is on ESPN. Mm. And I was just saying, it's like something my mom used to say: it's like people acting all loud and wrong. People think being shouting over somebody else is going to actually make things sound better when, especially when it's wrong. That's like I just look at Stephen A. Smith and I'm like, oh my god! Oh, screaming a! Oh, screaming a! And what's that? He was a journalist. He was a print journalist. He was a newspaper journalist. It's like this is what you uh, guess people say evolved, but I say devolved. This ain't like a Pokemon, and if mm-hmm. happened, it went backwards. But yeah, I just like, ugh. how are you a, a former journalist and and now you come up talking head pundit? I mean. 
Just, oh. just, ugh, I, Screaming A is so annoying. I'm so, and this is so weird to say, but I'm so glad that Skip Bayless is now on the show with Shannon Sharp and away from Stephen A. Smith. I'm just like, I just can't. Skip ain't any better. Skip any, Skip ain't I know. Any I said, now, I, I always feel like now, when I think of Shannon Sharp, there's two things I think of. First, he looks like the horse from Ren and Stimpy. First, you know, that horse like, no. <laughs> you better leave Uncle Shay Shay alone. Hey, hey, I, like, hey I, I like everything that he says most of the time, but you can't tell me he don't. When he was talking about Eugene Robinson on the Falcons, it was a long time ago, Falcons, Broncos, Super Bowl. And he talked about how Eugene Robinson got busted for, for picking up a hooker. And he starts talking all this stuff. And then I think one of his uh, one of Eugene Robinson's teammates talked about, oh, yeah, man, Shannon Sharp looked like the horse in the Broncos logo and all this other stuff. And oh, <laughs> no. Never unsee it now. Oh, man. Like when you saw people did those logos of the Broncos thing with Peyton Manning and they had that big mm-hmm. Now you'll just never see. I will never unsee this now. Thanks and, a lot. And that horse Jeez. from uh, Ren and Stimpy or the Broncos logo. And it's like, hey, I think Shannon Sharp makes a lot of good points. But, hey, sometimes you got to call a spade a spade or a horse is a horse. Of course, of course. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. You, y'all you a mess. Okay. Let's, let's get on started. That is hilarious. So let's start low key. And as I mentioned before, John Witherspoon has passed away at the age of 77. He died October 29th. He was still touring at the time. He, I think he, um, he had been sick for a little while. He had been on D.L. Hughley's show about three weeks ago talking about he um, was still working 40, I think he said either 42 or 46 weeks out of the year. And I'm like, there's only 52 weeks. He's like, I can't be doing all of that. That's just, I, I, that's just too much. He's like, I, I, I'm too old to be doing this, but he was still selling out at 77 years old. He would he would be he would have been 78 in Jan- this upcoming January, and his his IMDb is extensive. You know, I think about my favorite, and I said it before that he was a scene stealer in everything that he did. Little Nicky is a Adam Sandler movie. And I still remember his scene. Oh my him and his ticket. Yeah, like, he's like, get out of here, Goofy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah when he's st- like Patricia Arquette and it's like... <laughs> I, God. And then even his little, little bitty cameo. And it's not really a cameo. He's a small part. And Vampire in Brooklyn. I still remember him. It's like he stands out. But of course, everybody's going to remember him as, you know, Pops from the Wayans Brothers, Granddad from the Boondocks, Mr. Jones from Friday, and of course, my favorite, Mr. Jackson from Boomerang. Because then everybody had to coordinate. <laughs> and it's been such a long time since I've seen Boomerang. I've, uh, like I said, I've seen, of course, Boondocks, and and also people forget that little cameo he had in Five Heartbeats, where when they're doing that little montage where he's behind the microphone talking about, mm-hmm. talking about going to the rip place and everything. Like, man, man, he, he's just a part of our culture. It's like you pick out a movie that he's he just stands out, and everyone's like, he's been old all our lives. I'm like, he has, but he's also he's also been doing this for a very long time. And to just see the outpouring of love and not, and, you know, even though, you know, we live in a like 
Twitter fingers and everybody's can dig up, you know, stuff about people that they did that problematic years ago. There has not been anybody who has said, like, let me tell you about how problematic John Witherspoon is. Nobody said that yet. Nobody only said good things about him. Yeah, and it's, it's another interesting mm-hmm. note that, man, if you look at it, half of the cast of that Richard Pryor show is gone. Half yeah. of the cast out of the seven that I can think of, Richard Pryor's gone, John Witherspoon's gone, Robin Williams is gone, and the, the only, what, four left are Tim Reed, Paul Mooney, Marsha Warfield, and Sandra Bernhardt. Those are the only four left of that cast. And wow. I always think about I always get this thing about when you start looking at trivia and like dwindling casts like for example there's what maybe two or three cast members of the jeffersons left i think yeah marla gibbs berlinda tolbert who played jenny and i think that's it because i think everybody Mm -hmm. else is everybody else is gone mr bentley's gone of course yeah easy uh Mm -hmm. uh, tom and helen and everybody's pretty much gone yeah oh yeah it's it's just crazy how and i think especially we see that a lot of these people, especially people on that show, that Richard Pryor show, everybody else had a pretty successful career. I, I can't think of not a single one of them had really a down career. I mean, maybe some people's shelf lives were a bit shorter, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, Tim Reed had a you know big career, WKRP, mm-hmm. uh, Sister Sister. Uh, I don't even think of him as a comedian. I just think of him as pretty much as an actor. That's all I think of him as is an actor. Because until you said he was a Richard Pryor, I'm like, oh, he is a comedian, isn't he? <laughs> it's like the things you think, because you, especially if you're used to seeing somebody a certain way, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because I think a lot of people, when Eddie Murphy comes back with his um, stand-up, a lot of people going to remember that Eddie Murphy actually is a comedian. He actually was on SNL. So it's like, everybody's going to be like, but he's... I mean, I remember him as Donkey. I mean, y'all don't remember him as that? I'm like, I remember like you know, snot bubbles running down my face laughing at Delirious. That's what I remember about him. And Beverly Hills Cop. I'm like, I don't think a lot of people know about that either. Yeah. I'll, don't watch the third one, y'all. Don't watch the third one. Don't do know, it. I'll tell you this, that, that Terrence Trent Darby song from there is probably one of the best things about that movie. That's that's probably, that's probably you're probably right. You're right. It's like, but y'all mm, watch the first one, the second one, yes. The third one, I mean, if you don't catch it, if you catch it on TNT, fine. But, you know, I wouldn't go out and go look for it. Okay, I'm sorry. This isn't about Eddie Murphy, but I just, I would be remiss not to talk about John Witherspoon. Uh, he will definitely be missed. The fact that he was still touring is just incredible because there are a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of funny people and it, that have been making us laugh and have been entertaining us for years and years and years. And the fact that you don't hear too much bad about him, he literally just seemed like a good guy. And that's it. It's like, he just seemed like he just, and just, you know, let's just do comedy and I'm just going to have fun. And I'm an old man and I got, you know, a, I got a kid and, you know, I'm just enjoying life and that's it. We should just all enjoy life. That's just how he seemed. He just seemed like a good guy. And that's refreshing. So next thing in low key, Tyler Perry and his studio that is doing very big things. Now, it was just, he had a big grand opening. He has his own little walk of fame in a studio with people who have been involved in his productions. Um, a lot, it was a little known fact, a lot of people didn't know, that Black Panther filmed part of it at the Tyler Perry Studios. Now, that was about a couple of years ago. Now, we are moving up to 2019, where Bad Boys 3 and Coming America 2 are being filmed there right now. 
And if you didn't know, it's because Will Smith did, you know, a picture and video of him, Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes, Martin Lawrence, uh, Tracy Morgan. It's just, I'm just looking like, this is black excellence. This is like, this, this is like lightning in a bottle to watch this. So I'm like, when's the next time you're going to see all five of these people on the same movie lot? And it's a black owned movie lot. You, you know what we could say? If you have a qualm with some of Tyler movies, fine. If you have qualms with the um, jump cuts on that show, The Oval, fine. But what I won't take away from the fact is that Tyler Perry has a very large movie studio where he is making history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, he's one of those guys that that people tend to forget about. I mean, and I'll just throw this name out because nobody expects it. Because like someone like Byron Allen, these guys are making a lot of money or doing a lot of things mm-hmm. and stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, they're going to be their share of critics. I know that him and, and Spike Lee had a little bit of a disagreement uh, not that long ago. But- oh yeah. Oh God. He called him a minstrel show. And the fact that Spike Lee showed up to the grand opening and was very just this is great. This is amazing. It was like, this wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. Yeah. I, he I mean, hated him a long time. Yeah. I just think, you know, if, if they're able to put the pettiness aside, well, I guess the one-sided pettiness, uh-huh. Tyler Perry's worried about what Spike Lee thinks. I, I can understand Spike Lee's a little mad that all this other stuff, I mean, you know, the John Singleton getting, getting an Oscar nomination before he did and all this uh-huh. other stuff. I mean, those things tend to happen, but as long as they can put whatever feelings aside, or even if it's taken out of context and a quote, because, you know, we never know the true intent of it. Yeah. I oh, oh, I, I saw the video. Oh, he raked him over the damn coals. Yeah, and also, yeah. yeah, he did it on a show and it's like, he just called it a menstrual show. And then even Tyler Perry himself has said that really hurt his feelings to hear someone like that he looked up to because he looked up to Spike Lee saying that he's like, I hurt his feelings. So I don't know. And behind the scenes, they may have just squashed it. And, or he, you know, Spike Lee just grew up and said, you know what? Why am I hating on this dude? It's yeah. like, you know, just grow up. And the fact that he showed up and the fact that Tyler invited him, it was like, Oh no, Spike Lee can come here. Yeah, I mean, just be, and best thing is try to be the bigger man, even though, and in that case, Tyler Perry was a bigger man, even though I assume that Spike Lee apologized and all the stuff where they made peace with him. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that you don't see. Like you said, 20-something years ago, you would never see anything like this before. No. Nope. Yeah. No, not at all. So we got those two movies filming. The Democratic, the next Democratic presidential debate <laughs> will be there. And then the Miss Universe competition in December. I'm like, you know what? Tyler is like, I'm doing big, big things. And he is, because that, his lot, I mean, it's a whole studio. It's bigger than the three different studios in LA. Because one, I'm pretty sure the land in Georgia is a lot cheaper than it is in California. So he probably could get more bang for his buck. The fact that he's doing all of this, that they have decided to have the presidential debate, not in like, on a movie lot. You're having it there, which means you probably could fit more people in there too. You probably have more space. And then we're having the Miss Universe competition. The, you know, fun fact for anybody who didn't know, Donald Trump's company used to own the Miss Universe or, you know, he used to be in the Miss Universe organization and they got rid of his ass. They're like, oh, get him the fuck out of here. 
So he's gone. But that's big things coming from Tyler. I'm actually proud of him. You know, the oval. Okay. But I'm like, nope. These are big things. That that video and that photo of, you know, black excellence that's going to be coming. Bad Boys 3 and Coming to America 2 coming out next year. Look, I'm just excited. I'm just full. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when it comes yeah. to that. Well, I don't like a lot of his movies. I really don't have any bone of contention with Tyler Perry. Except no. What House of Pain being uh, having more episodes than the Jeffersons running that long? I don't care. People like movie. That's a movie that reaches a wide spectrum of people: black, white, whatever, male, female, mm-hmm. or female. And you know, hey, do what you do. But that you know, that House of Pain lasting longer than the Jeffersons by one episode too. Um, wow. Yeah, one episode. And and really, it's not like it had broad. Uh, I wouldn't say it had broad. Yeah, I'd say broad appeal. I'd see it on those, those commercials for TBS. No, pass. I'll pass on it. But I, I don't know. There's some people who love it. I'm like, I'm not going to yuck your gum. If that's what you like, that's what you. If you like it, I love it. That's fine. If they tie with episodes with the Jeffersons, no problem with that. Or maybe yeah. even under man over one over. That is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's my only thing. Like, no, 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 no. No. It's my thing. I, I always prefer Jefferson's over good times, but that might be because I wrote, wrote, grew up in the suburbs. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I can say I don't know the struggle. So, so you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know about moving on up. I was, I was in the middle. So mid key. Social security ends telework for 25% of its workforce. And everybody's like, oh, 25%, that's not a lot. That's 12,000 people. So I have friends who work in the government and they did telework. So I have a couple of friends that maybe did like one telework day a week or they did three days. So it's like between one and three. So this is from govexec.com. The Social Security Administration on Monday told employees of its operations components that it would end its six-year telework pilot program on November 8th, leaving roughly 12,000 workers scrambling to make arrangements. The email came one day after the implementation of a new union contract between the agency and the American Federal of Federation of Government Employees, imposed by the Federal Services Impasses panel earlier this year. That decision gave management discretion to adjust telework and staffing levels as needed. But union officials said they were caught off guard by the decision to simply get rid of telework altogether. Telework is in the contract. It's not something that was not put in or not negotiated prior to the contract being implemented, says Sherry Jackson, vice president of AFGE Council 220, which represents Social Security employees. We had a long discussion about how telework works and how it will continue to work. The fact that you did that, that you took all that time from people and had employees with the expectation that it would increase or at least maintain the status quo, it doesn't speak well to what concerns you have for your employees. Since 2013, 25%, around 12,000 of employees and Social Security's operations components have been allowed to telework between one and three days per week, depending on the component, but in an email to all employees in the components, which include field offices, car centers, call centers, the workload support units, and the program service centers, Deputy Commissioner for Operations Grace Kim said the program would end, citing increased workloads and backlogs. In recent years, operations had faced a number 
of significant service challenges, including increases in wait times for customers on the 800 number and in field offices, processing times for program workloads and PSC backlogs, Kim wrote. In order to focus all of our resources on providing service to our customers, I've decided to end this telework program pilot in operations at this time. The agency declined to provide evidence of service challenges or increased customer wait lines to AFGE, Social Security Acting Press Officer Mark Hinkle provided government executive with a brief statement but declined to offer more information to back up Kim's message. In order to improve service delivery and to focus all of operations resources on providing service to our customers, the Deputy Commissioner for Operations decided to end the telework pilot in operations on November 8th, Hinkle said. Hinkle also declined to answer questions about whether a partial hiring freeze implemented in July by Commissioner Andrew Saul had been lifted. Jackson said it remains in place and impacts at least some of the operations components. Jackson said the union is still considering its options to fight the decision. She said ending the telework program with less than two weeks of notice will decrease productivity, not improve it. These are things that could have been handled while on telework, family issues and other personal needs like appointments and what have you that could be handled without having to use unexpected leave would be back on the table, Jackson said. With telework, you have guaranteed people on call despite what may be happening at home. They're still able to compete complete the function of their duties on telework. And with that taken away, you'll be putting off any potential production time because you have to request leave. And with flu season just around the corner, Jackson said people may feel pressured to come into work while sick, spreading infections. You can recoup faster at home rather than at the workplace, she said. Plus, it doesn't exactly instill confidence in customers if you sound worse than they do when they are the ones with a disability claim. It doesn't make us look good. Wow, I mean... As a person who, you know, it feels like telework has become the, the norm for a lot of jobs, especially with the mm-hmm. the, the reach of internet and, and things like that and things that you just can't really take off because you don't want to lose those days. As a government employee, and my mom works in the government as well. It's hard to believe that they would do something like that, maybe limit it or something or maybe reduce it, but not just ax it altogether. That's, that's just something a little hard because, you know, commutes can be a pain just to try to get to and from work. Sometimes it's just better working from home than making that trip to the commute. I I do a 40 minute commute each way, sometimes five days a week. And even though I get the option, I know some people who work from home one day a week, each week. I know sometimes I don't prefer to work from home because I feel like I feel less productive that way. But if people are getting the job done, that should be all that matters. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like I know so many friends that telework and part of me was like, I wish I could telework because I would like enjoy it. But the way it made it sound from a business standpoint is that it actually would save you a little bit of money because also it helps with morale, especially people use like Mondays to telework or most. Well, the most probably popular days are probably Mondays and Fridays to do telework because that way, you know, you're home. It's the weekend and then, you know, you're fine. But they have a point. We're heading into flu season and I, you know, I work in a hospital. It's required for me to get a flu shot. I don't know if it's required for them to get a flu shot. And it might just be a choice. Yeah, it might be suggested. Sometimes it might be just optional or just not even thought of it at all. Right. It's kind of like uh, we're not making them. And then there are some people who like, what if they have like a sick child and they use three like telework days? I'm like, they're still doing their job. 
but then they have to make arrangements for like a couple of days. Like you don't know why some people use telework for you to just like rip it from under them, like with less than two weeks because November 8th is Friday. I'm just sitting here like, why would you do that? Why didn't you like give them more notice? Like maybe January 1st of 2020, if you really want to end a pilot program, why on November 8th? Like it's a weird time that I'm like, I'm trying to think like maybe like, like thinking like fiscal years, I'm like, everybody's fiscal year doesn't start in July. Some people start in March. So it's like, why November 8th? Not even like, not even giving them till after the holidays to like sort things out. Cause yeah, you're also going into the holidays. You're also going into winter. You're also going to a time where people have snow, you know, bad weather where they probably would stay home anyway. But if they were teleworking, it's like, oh, okay, well I'm teleworking anyway. I'm working from home. So it doesn't hurt productivity. I'll still work because I'm working from home in bad weather. So it's like, it doesn't make sense to do this and it's pretty messed up. And I really hope the union does twice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I assume in that case, the weather gets bad work won't get done at all. If they, right. can't, if they can't tell the work, you know, that's, that's it. If, if the roads are closed and everything's blocked off, that's it. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, can you come in here? Uh, no, because I am not essential staff. So, no, I'm not coming in here. But if I was still teleworking, I could still get this done. But that's neither here nor there. And the fact that they couldn't even, like, I'm like, well, demonstrate why you need to get rid of this. I'm like, because of productivity. I'm like, okay, well, show your, show your work. And they didn't have anything to show. They just said, oh, it just hurts. I'm like, you don't really have anything, do you? You don't have anything to back this up. Yeah, unless the strings can pull from above that and, and it's out of their control. That could be the other thing. You yeah. So much and like, nope, sorry. And so it's for you guys. You guys got to figure it out how to make that money up. Yeah. So that that might be it. I mean, I don't know. It's super. It's just unfortunate. And I know this hurts a lot of people who do telework. 12,000 may not seem like a lot, but it is a lot. It's like that's a lot. That's 12,000 people. And that's, that's the thing. That's not just affecting those 12,000 people. Multiply that by their families. That's even more people. So it's not just those 12,000 bodies per se that is being affected. It's all of their family. Because what if they were asking, what if they're helping other families? Yeah. <sighs> so hopefully this gets worked out, but I don't have the biggest, um, I don't have the biggest confidence in it. Um, yeah, I don't. All right, let's step on into... High key. And we're going to start with, I will say this. I am somebody who used to watch The View. I don't anymore. Mind you, whole episodes are on Hulu and on YouTube. You can watch the whole show. I don't anymore because there is a lady on that show that makes me want to slap her silly. The lady is Megan McCain. Now, she likes to get out of pocket because her contract was renewed and she back for the new season, she is very much like, I am here to stay and y'all are stuck with me. I guess. So first, she she jumped shitty with uh, Whoopi Goldberg because Whoopi was shutting them down because they were doing what you know they always do now, which is a new thing. Let's talk over each other. And she like jumped shitty with, with Whoopi. And I'm like, I really want you to realize that Whoopi is a very grown black woman. And I know she ain't got no eyebrows, but she was raising them at your ass. Like, oh, okay. You think that I won't bust your ass. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I need you to leave Whoopi alone before she get real, real black up on this show with you. So that was the first thing. And I was like, 
Ooh, I'm like, I may not always agree with Whoopi, but what you won't do is your little snotty little attitude with anybody who disagree with you or talk about Republicans or your guns and God knows what else. So she, like, she irks my soul. She irks my whole show. She is a goddamn goofy and she is such an asshole. And as Soso said, that is me putting it lightly. I'm being nice according to her. Yeah, what her role is on the show. I mean, she's basically the, the sparring bag. It doesn't matter. It was Elizabeth Hasselbeck. It was whoever it was before that. You're there to pretty much get uh, get sparred at and pretty much lose. And you, you, yeah, you are Larry Holmes, Muhammad Ali. You are you are as 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 uh, Darius McCray said as he was Ali. It's like you you're my ugly sparring partner. That's all it. That's all you are. You're just right. there to get beat up. Right. And the bad part was she's not the only Republican on that show. That's the part that kind of kills me. I'm like, she's not the Republican. Because one of the other hosts, I believe, is a conservative. So I'm like, why are you making it seem like you the one? I got to be the voice for Republicans. Is there another Republican on this show? Could have sworn there was another one. And she seems rather nice. But you want to just be um, divisive. Yeah, which is uh, family. I mean, because they're they're you know because she's she'll get attacked from both sides. Either you're considered a rhino or you're considered too 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 conservative. I mean, you're not going to win either way. You're 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 sort of pariah. I mean, that the whole family political structure. You're considered pariahs and and too far too too left of right and then mm-hmm. too left. That, that's yeah. I think she sees herself in the middle and she's really not. She's a little bit more right than she likes to admit. So Cory Booker, because you know, I just can't wait for 2020 to be over. I really can't. Um, Cory Booker was on the show, um, you know, because, you know, it's every candidate that's still there is trying to get shows for the Democrats. So everybody's still trying to get shows. Everybody's there. I get it. So he was there last week. And Beto, who, as of this recording, I don't know if everybody knows, but Beto has dropped out of the um, race. He is no longer um, a potential Democratic candidate. He dropped out. So Beto is no longer there. I guess he's going to go back to Roberto. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do, but he has dropped out. So he was, because he's in Texas, he is very much into the gun buyback proposal as somebody who lived in Texas and he has been through not one, but two very, um, very traumatic mass shootings. I could see why Beto was very interested in the gun buyback program. But of course, Megan McCain being a very two a person decided that that's like crazy. And Oh my God. So she called Beto crazy and Cory Booker, who is very diplomatic, um, said we should watch the way we talk about each other. Seriously, we can't tear the character of people down. We have, we have different beliefs. And so Megan asked him, I want to know how you, how you think you and Beto are going to go to Red States and go to my brother's house and get her, get his AR-15s. Because let me tell you, he's not giving it back. Um, I'm sorry, Megan, but fuck your brother. Nobody gives a shit about your brother in Arizona. I'm like, girl, nobody's, nobody is what do you think this is? Watchmen? Nobody's banging on your fucking door and knocking on the door and saying, give me your fucking guns. That is not, this is a voluntary program where they're asking you, they're actually paying you money to give us your guns. That's what's going on here. I'm like, why are you acting like they're going door to door to come and get your guns? What kind of gaslighting shit are you doing? 
See, she's already got my, she's already got my pressure up. Pressure, not, not blood pressure, pressure. She already got my pressure up. <clears throat> so Booker said, I'm not where Beto is in the way he's talking about this. Um, which when McKay, so she said, good, because he's crazy. Which made him, what made him say, we should really, you know, change the way we talk to each other. And she went, he has no problem doing it to me. He was very nasty to me about this. And then um, Cory Booker took a page out of, I want to say Mr. Rogers, but not as nice as Mr. Rogers is. But you and I both know when somebody does something to us, doesn't mean we show the same thing back to them. And here she goes. I'm not running for president. All due respect, the way he talks about me inciting violence on this, I take very seriously. And I speak for a lot of red state Americans, whether he likes it or you like it or not. (sighs) He was trying to give, and then after that, he was trying to, oh my gosh, she gets my nerves. He was trying to do like, give like an anecdote. And then she's like, back to the gun bike program, back to the gun bike back program. Ma'am, we don't give a shit about you and your guns, baby. You and your guns are fine. Unless for some odd reason you have turned it, you like flip a switch and decide to go start like a whole um, shootout in Arizona, baby, you, you and your guns are fine. But the fact that you actually think that we need AR-15s in a home is the problem. The guy out in Dayton was, on, he only shot for less than a minute. And how many people did he kill? Imagine if he didn't have an AR. Imagine if that wasn't an he had a semi-automatic. And if the cops had not been there, he would have killed a lot more people. That is what we're talking about. And the fact that Meghan McCain is so nasty. You demand respect, but you can't show respect. That I have a huge problem with. I'm like, ma'am, no one gives a shit about you. Because anytime someone brings up a very broad topic, she brings it back to herself or her family. Or brings up her dead father. And then you want someone who literally, you're telling that to people who have seen gun violence, who have, who have seen what's going on in our country, who may have been family members of people who have been killed by somebody in a mass fucking shooting, but then to look at you and if they look at you say, fuck you and your dead daddy, you'd be ready to be like, oh my God, that is the most terrible thing ever. I'm like, my kid was blown away. Well, yeah, I mean, really... I guess in that case, she's learned nothing from the way her dad keeps getting lambasted by Trump, and 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 he's been dead for what six, seven months, almost a year, and yep. and he'll still he'll still find some way to, to drag up his name, and so you've learned nothing from trying to be a little more civil. You'll be the first nope. one crying that yeah, why did you know all this other stuff when Trump says something bad about you, and the, you you can't offer the same sense of civility you want. Ah, it don't always work that way. See, and then you gonna push somebody too far, and they're gonna say, fuck you and your dead daddy. And it's like, ma'am, why are you like this? And then be like, oh my God, I love RuPaul's drag race. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. Don't bring those, don't bring those ladies on there. Don't bring those queens on there to give her like some rooster. You are not a girl. Absolutely. I cannot believe. That those drag queens came up on that show and gave her some shoes and said, you're an honorary Rue girl. I'm like, are these checks nice? No, because Monet Exchange said she wasn't even paid for that. I'm like, girl, you did that and didn't get fucking paid. Shh. No. Just no. I I don't. mm -mm. Yeah, fuck Megan McCain. 
because she's an asshole and she's and she's been an asshole asshole and she's getting she's only getting worse which is why i i want 2020 to be over because up until then she's going to be a fucking nightmare for somebody who watches that show i don't which is why I, i just to watch somebody be so civil to her because I know what would have happened because it's happened with Cory Booker before. I think he like lambasted a Republican and it was, I think it was a, I think it was a female Senator. I'm not exactly sure, but I know it was a woman and they were like, who does he think he is? And why are you like, why are you being like that with her? So I think he's learned from that and just goes, let me take a beat, take a breath and practice civility. The civility that they keep saying they want black and brown people to do with white people so they can feel comfortable having conversations with us. That's not how that shit works. Because I'm sorry, if that had been if that had been Kamala, Kamala laid her ass out. It's like, ah. Oh, man. Just been just like that Simpsons episode where Bart says, and right at that moment, that's when her heart was broken. <laughs> So you know who to do it with. So you'll do it with because, you know, Cory Booker may be a lot of things, but he knows the optics. He knows what that would have looked like if he had dug in her ass. He knows what the optics would have looked like. It's like, I know what the optics would have looked like, but you try with certain people. You're not going to do it with Elizabeth Warren because I'm pretty sure she has a, she has, I think she has a, is for the gun buyback as well, but you're not going to do that with Elizabeth because you know she'll go toe to toe with you. You won't do it with Kamala because she'll out um, she'll out fox you like she did the last time. So you know who to do this with. It's like, girl, just uh, and now there's a petition because they want her off the show. I'm like, yeah, they're not going to get rid of her because they want people to keep watching. Yeah, you can expect like clockwork. She's there to be the one who gets becomes a punching bag. That's it. Every day, every show, every time. And, yeah, she's there for a reason. Hmm. And it was like, oh, I care. I care a lot about people. No, you don't. You care about you. You want to talk about Arizona and your dead daddy and your brother who's locked up in his house. Apparently, it seems like he lives in a bunker or something with three ARs, AR-15s, you know, to fight the world. I'm like, girl, there are bigger fish to fry. And if anybody, especially if Joyce says anything about Republicans, I am offended. You know, there's another conservative over here and she says nothing. She's just like... Uh, Ma'am, I need you to look at the board. Look look at the big picture. Why do you think people have so much ammunition to say about the Republicans? Why? Because they're so hypocritical when it comes to this current president. Because half the shit that he was doing right now, y'all wouldn't even let Obama sniff near it. Y'all fucking know it. Hell, they didn't even... Excuse me. The only reason why the, um, the impeachment with Bill Clinton ever got so far is... Because they didn't like his ass. Everybody keeps thinking that the Clintons are like well loved by the Republicans. They fucking hated his ass. Oh yeah. They hated him. And the reception, oh, he's that first black president, you know, all this other stuff. And New Gingrich doing the same thing that Bill Clinton was. Right. It was like uh half the damn Republicans in that house and Senate was getting their dick sucked underneath their fucking desk, but uh, not the president. I'm like, have y'all cheating on your wives right now? What you doing? Y'all just didn't like him. I'm like, it's not because they had this moral compass because they fucking hated Bill Clinton and he couldn't, he didn't do anything else. There was nothing else for y'all to go after him with for impeachment. Just he cheats on his wife. I'm like, hell, half of y'all do that shit. I was like, uh, are we impeaching y'all too? Like, what we doing? Like y'all actually have tangible, 
Y'all actually have real reasons to get rid of the current president and y'all dragging y'all feet. Using terms like lynch mob. You're saying a lynch mob. In front of a... And there are black people going, but if we say something about us and our injustice, y'all tell us to get over it. Y'all tell us that's not real. Y'all little Cheeto president is not getting lynched. He is, it is not a witch hunt. He fucking did that shit. <laughs> Period. He is a terrible president. He is dragging this country down. He is letting so many people down. And, I, and there are people going, oh my God, I can't, I, I'm not voting for him the next time. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say either. But yeah, no, fuck you too. He's like, oh my God, what was I thinking? You weren't. Next question. You weren't thinking. And now we have Meghan McCain on The View. It's like, God, get rid of her. But you should have been got rid of her because now it's like she got a new contract and she's like smelling herself. I mean, you want an ants? This is how you get ants. I'm just saying. that. that that's how this works. Bunch of jackasses. I, I can't even. I can't even. Okay. This is long overdue. This is long overdue. I... We're going to talk about Kanye West, but first we're going to talk about John Legend and Kanye West. So John Legend is a long-time collaborator with Kanye West. Everybody knows Kanye sold some of John Legend's CDs out of the trunk of his car. He helped put them on. Get it. In the last few years, Kanye has been saying some really anti-black shit. And for somebody who's as pro-black as John Legend is, he had a huge problem with it. He reached out to... Kanye privately, Kanye decided to screenshot their conversation publicly to try to make John Legend look bad. Now, if I'm your friend and I privately go to you and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't talk like this, and then you go screenshot a conversation, look at the fuck he doing. He wilding out. So I'm not going to have no conversations about this with you again. That means you are loose cannon. You are not on your medication. I'm not going to do this. So John Legend had a, um, he did a profile in Vanity Fair where he said that, you know, him and Kanye are not the best. We were never the closest of friends. Those were his exact words. And of course, when everybody saw that, everybody's ready to dunk on Kanye. Like, see, even your friend gave up on you. See, see, this what happened. Well, John Legend cleared that up. Because as a lot of things have been done, has, he said his words were taken out of context. So he, <laughs> so I thought it was really interesting to see that a lot of people were saying that, you know, the people around Kanye, they really should talk to him. And then when the headline of, I'm not, we were never the closest of friends, all of a sudden people are like, John Legend ain't loyal. What's wrong with him? I'm like, but y'all just said y'all wanted to wait a minute. You, but isn't that what y'all wanted? Y'all didn't want them to be in. Now it's like he's disloyal to, to, to whom? To, isn't this what y'all wanted? I, I don't, I don't understand. So a lot of people were dunking on John Legend a lot of people were just like, oh, you ain't loyal, this, that, and the third. 
So John Legend did a thread and said, I get why people want to make this a thing, but I was explaining to the reporter how I've seen people I love reacting to the deaths of their mothers. I'm thinking specifically of my own mom, Chrissy's mom, and others. Then she asked me if I was referring to Kanye as well after Dr. West died. And I told her I wasn't really in a position to say because while Kanye have a long friendship, he left a word out. That's why I got confused. And have made a lot of great music. We weren't close on the level of confiding in each other about grief. So that was the context of we were never the closest of friends because he's talking about how to talk to somebody about grief. And, you know, when it comes to friendship, there are levels to this. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was talking about we weren't friends on that level because you know, when it comes to that kind of thing, something that sensitive, you may not be on that level of friendship. And that doesn't mean you're not friends. It's just that you're not on that level. You're on the level of, I can reach out to you privately and say, stop talking this Trump shit, thinking that we're on that level. He never took us, and I don't know, I may just be thinking in my mind of how I would be, I would take a step back. I wouldn't like completely go, I hate the guy because part of my success is, you know, ode is probably the wrong word, but owed to him because he really did help put John in a lot of rooms. But if John didn't have the talent he had, he wouldn't be in those rooms, period. So it's kind of like he helped you get on, but well, Kanye got you in the door, but he didn't keep you in the room. Yeah. Because John Legend is extremely talented and he's one, a great songwriter. That is, it is what it is. So, and his explanation, which honestly, if we're being complete, he didn't have to give that. It's like, you know, you could have just let people cook and it's like, oh, let's think what y'all want. But he explained, it's like, hey, I'm not disowning him. It's just, that's that's not what I meant. Yeah. And I can say, if, even if he said we we weren't as close as we used to be or something like that, drift apart, everybody knows everybody's going different directions. Some people, they right. have varying levels of success, but... You know, for him to clarify, I mean, as being a former newspaper reporter, I love hearing the fact people used to say, oh, this was taken out of context. No, you got caught saying something and now you now you want to double back and say, oh, this isn't what I meant. I mean, nine out of ten times, I assume most reporters have a tape recorder and have it so they can easily pull up the file and see what it said, because nobody writes freehand anymore. So so (laughs) That's very true. You're going to have a tape recorder or some recording device, cell phone or whatever, and you're going to have that audio there. So, uh, I mean, it, it's there and we could easily probably hear the audio. The reporter could easily just set it out in the tweet or have somebody else do the dirty work and do it so you can keep your hands clean. Mm-hmm. And, and we can actually hear the, the context of the quote. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just doubling back. Maybe he was. <sighs> I'm going to err on the side of the reporter possibly, but then again, I I mean, with these large scale magazines, wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm like, the thing on this, sometimes you don't have to clarify. You could just leave it there. But the fact that he clarified, I think that shows that one, he isn't a disloyal person. And also, Hey, I'm like, this is what I meant. And I don't know, maybe he may not express that completely to the reporter. He may be like, this is what I was thinking in my head. And this is what I meant. I don't know, wasn't there, but the fact that it was really interesting, the takes on this, it's like, first it was like, mm, sorry to this man, and then I was like, oh, he disloyal. I'm like, but well, aren't y'all canceling Kanye? Doesn't it not matter? Because he can't, we're canceling him, right? Kanye's over party, we're not still there, we're not partying on this, any over, don't really matter. We, we don't like Kanye, so I don't, yeah. So, moving on past that, because, you know, the album is out, Sunday service is going on, on 
any day except Sunday. Um, he's getting a nice little tax break because he's in debt apparently, but then he got a $68 million tax break because of his Sunday service. Because you guys, I hate to be this person, but I feel like we're gearing up for a Kanye West church. And I am like, God, no. It's like, just take us now, Lord, before that can happen. Just take us now. Because I, I, I just, no, just, just, just take us now. If you wanted to take him, do you want to be like uh, the movie Left Behind where everybody just disappears? Or do you want to be a Thanos snap? Thanos snap. <laughs> Please. I, don't, I feel like Thanos snap. I don't even know. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine, he was doing stand up and he's like, Hey, you ever notice when Thanos did a snap, half the people disappear were black? But <laughs> 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 again, when you look at it, I mean, I, you know, I don't know this whole Kanye thing. I tried to go through the, his new album on, on, on YouTube and maybe a few tracks and I'm like, Nope, I'm just going to go listen to college dropout. That's, that's pretty much it. And I, I feel like you're safe doing that. Like I have not listened to a Kanye album and God knows like I haven't listened to the last three albums. I, I just, I'm just kind of done at this point. I haven't even gone back to revisit the, I, I haven't listened. I really liked, I like college dropout, but I really did like late registration. Um, I think it's probably the last Kanye album I really listened to was that one. So, yeah, I, I just I can't even go back and listen to late registration. Like I just can't even go back and do it. Uh, yeah, I just college dropout because that that was that was the one I heard it when I was in college. What two thousand three, two thousand four? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the one stuck with me, and just I can't do it anymore. I I have friends who say, hey, most of Jay Z's albums are garbage except for Reasonable Doubt. That's pretty much you know, and I know it sounds a bit hipsterish, like oh, I like this first album, and don't like anything else after that. And maybe he has evolved as an artist or whatever. I just mm-hmm. music just isn't my preference, and college that's fine. There at that right time, and for me, and. Yeah, and just it felt like it was a mix there. And even then, he, he, he you know, had I'll Fly Away on there. And of course, um, oh man, I just Jesus Walks, of course. Those are, you know, yeah. some of the touches on there. But I, I try, I try making it through what two or three tracks on there. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I haven't. I just, nope. Yeah. So Kanye is back in full force for a lot of folks. Um, he is doing interviews. He did a long for he did a long interview with Big Boy, um, where he talked about black people don't have no culture. <clears throat> Me being taken to my lowest, being called a coon by my own people. The guy that said George Bush doesn't care about black people is a coon because I didn't say I'm going to vote on Hillary Clinton, and that actually made me more relatable. You can't imagine when I go through middle America. I was driving fast, and I hit a red light, and a guy said, now why you got to go so fast? Then you got to drive and cut me. What, Kanye? Oh, thank you for what you're doing for our country. Thank you so much. Like, you have no idea. (sighs) And one of my main things, what is culture? It's like, man, this ain't for the culture. We doing something for the culture. We are orphans, bro. We are cultureless. We don't have our own culture. We signed to we sign to culture vultures. We sign our life away. Our contracts are culture vultures. Think about everything that's cultural. Taking the knee is cultural. Being on social media is cultural. Wearing high fashion is cultural. Pushing a foreign is cultural. All these things are not owned by our culture. So who designed the culture? What does it mean to do it for the culture? That's why I do it for Christ. This man is not on his fucking meds. Okay? He's not on his fucking meds. Poor old Conway, as George W. Bush would say, Conway, Conway, Conway. Uh, I was like, being on social media is 
culture. Oh, did, so for him to say that black people don't have a culture, we are culture vultures. No, baby, the, the, the family that you're associated with is full of culture vultures. Uh, you know, you know what a vulture is. It's like, sir. It's like, what? <laughs> like, <sighs> you know, I. Yikes! Oh my goodness! Even in his first album, he just talks about. Uh, oh, I, I just think for all falls down, he just talks about uh, we're all self-conscious. I'm, I'm just the first to admit, or whatever. I, I forgot the line, and I should know that because I was just listening to it. And it's like, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, what happened to this dude? Did he just? Lose it? I mean, do you think Seth Lamar Odom did? I don't. I don't know. I mean, mm. I, I something I always thought about it. If you ever thought about anything Kanye West tweeted or whatever put out, just put the words Liz Lemon and you got Tracy Jordan. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. He, nonsensical stuff. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. This. Oh, oh my gosh, culture. He. To, to listen to that, and I'm and I've li- I've seen I've not read I've seen the thing think thinkity think pieces I've seen people do the long threads, and I'm as somebody who was a Kanye fan I don't even think I can call myself a Kanye fan anymore I'm just not to watch the people who are still his fans I'm like so I want to see how y'all going to defend this because here's the thing that's indefensible. Especially when for so long you depended on black people to drive you out of South side of Chicago. And now because you're in a whole different tax bracket, you're living in a whole different area. You have gone to this place. Now there really is no return for you. You can't go back. You cannot do the OJ thing where he went from, I'm not black, I'm OJ. You get blamed for murder. Then all of a sudden you want to come back to the black church and say, I'm black now. Like, no, baby, that's not how that works. And there are so many people who saw through that. So because you are so far gone, you have the support of so many white people because a lot of people don't know this, and a lot of people do, that when it comes to um, rap music, a lot of white people listen to this. A lot. They they have a lot of buying power because there are a lot of white people who love black shit. They love they love black musicians. They love black athletes. They love black actors. They don't like black people because there's a very big difference. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm the suburban kids. The suburban kids rocking all that music. I was thinking of the story to talk about all these suburban kids beat up this uh, one guy for 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 going to the police. And they're, you know, suburban kids beating them up, stomping them, yelling, snitches, die in the hood. Mm-hmm. How, how you gonna, how's it going to be hood if you're in the suburbs? Or right, the you're like, you get snitches, get snitches. Sir, where do you live? <laughs> it's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? But I just, I don't, Part of me is like speechless to read that quote and to realize this is the same person who got on national television standing next to Austin Powers saying George Bush don't care about black people. And now it's like Kanye West don't care about black people. 
You don't care because you only care about your goddamn self. That's probably why you like Donald Trump so much because he don't give a shit about nobody neither except himself hey. and maybe his son. He needs to be the first one to admit it. <laughs> we also, we're all, first one. he'd be the first one to admit it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so, I mean, disappointed. I'm past the point of disappointed with Kanye West. I'm, I, I just can't. It's just like, no, I'm, I, yeah, I was done with him two or three years ago. And the fact that he's going like, yay mad at me because I didn't vote for Hillary. You didn't vote at fucking all. What are you talking about? You didn't even vote. Shut up. For so much you love Donald Trump so much, you ain't vote for his ass either. So, so you know, what's tea? Because <laughs> you ain't vote at all. And both sides, that's all it is. Ugh. It's like, oh, Lord. It's like, it's kind of like, and to watch him do this thing where he did a quote unquote gospel record and to watch so many Christians just eat this shit up. I'm that is the part that disgusts me. I'm like, first of all, Kirk Franklin would like a word. Hezekiah Walker would like a word because y'all had no problem raking. And people did this a lot with Kirk Franklin. Oh, yeah. When he, when he stepped into that, he stepped a little bit over that secular line. Y'all were saying, we don't want this. This ain't real gospel music. Kanye West music. And all of a sudden, Kanye West makes it. And all of a sudden, this is gold. I'm like, Kirk Franklin been doing this for like 15, 20 years. What y'all doing? Man, man, 50 Cent need to come here and say he need to do something to Kanye West for robbing God's people. That's, that's Please. Just, just, just from How to Rob. I always think about that. Next time, I'm going to come back to get Kirk Franklin for robbing God's people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what, what are y'all doing? They actually have whole-ass gospel rappers who got fire beats. I'm like, just because Kanye West got fire beats, y'all like, oh, we'll, we'll accept this. We'll bring him back in the fold. I'm like, he don't like y'all black asses. What you doing? Sometimes people are just going to listen to what they listen to or like what they're going to like. That's all you can do. Just shake your head because right you know, there, there's nothing else. Yeah. With, I, I can't. It's like you get, right. It's like, you're just like sitting here. Like if you're, if for people who are out there who are music critics, I'm not talking about them. Like this is your actual job. You have to critique this, whether you hate the person or not. You're like, I'm a music critic. I do a music podcast where I critique rap music. He's a rapper. I got to talk about it. Anyway. I don't, I don't fault anybody. If this is their job, <laughs> it's like, this is your job to talk about him. It's like, okay. I'm sorry. Fuck Kanye West. <laughs> uh, old Conway. That old, old Conway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the, you know what? That's the show title. Show title. Old Conway. It, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's like, you. He, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, even the thought about slavery was a choice. I mean, shoot, man. It was like, I'm like, what does he need to do for y'all to just go, for people who are just like, oh, no, I'm just going to listen to his music. What does he really need to do? Because I'm sorry, it, he's done a little too much for a lot of people to just go, yeah, no, I can't even listen to his music anymore. What does, What else does he need to do? And there is a small contingency of people who want to blame his choice of mate. And I am one of the people where I can't go that far because here's the thing. He is 40 something years old. He is a grown ass man. What do you actually think that she can honestly do? Because I think if his choice of mate was black and he was still saying this shit, then whose fault would it be? It's like, it's not because it's Kim. I know Kim Kardashian is Kim Kardashian. I get it. She, 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 I get it. 
Because it's like, she's an easy target. But I, I can't sit here and blame her. I wish I could. I wish I could sit here and go, oh, no, it's her fault. I'm like, I don't think it is. I'm like, one, if that was the case, if she really could do something, it's like if he if he really was like overpowering her or whatever, she'd have moved her ass out to Montana or wherever, like middle America, he like was recording his album. She said, I'm not moving. And they didn't move. And she's actually saying that she is concerned about his mental health. It's like, the thing about it is, it's like, uh, I get it. I'm like, you want her to have some sort of control? She don't. That man is a loose cannon. Notice a lot, the majority of the crazy stuff that he says, she's not really standing right next to him when she, when he says it. If he says it during Sunday service, she might be off somewhere, not paying fucking attention if she's there. Because he said crazy shit when he was at Howard too. She was there. But she wasn't standing right next to his ass when he said it. It's like, I don't even know. I'm like, I can't sit here and blame her. I'm like, because one, that still takes away from the fact that this is on him. I'm like, I'm not shielding him from any of this. Not his mental health, not his choice of mate, not his children, not where he lives. No, this is on fucking him. Because one, he said it himself. I don't take my medicine because I can't create. And she put his ass under 72-hour hold. You don't just do that all willy-nilly. That is a very hard thing to do, to put somebody under 72-hour hold. Yeah, this marriage is not going to, that marriage is not going to be long for much longer. I remember hearing a clip about how, you know, he wanted to, you know, going with the change in his religion, his, his mm-hmm. focus on Christianity. He talks about he doesn't want her to dress that way. I'm like, you made me dress this way. It was like, uh, she's yeah. been Kim Kardashian for a very long time. Where are you getting this from? I'm like, it's like, oh my God, he just became a new Christian. I'm like, didn't he make Jesus walk like 15 years ago? Then what was he before? like wait a minute i'm confused i'm sorry i need somebody to explain that to me i'm like what was he before that if he made jesus walks before what was he before was he not a christian then did i miss it because i could have swore he was trying to exploit the market sometimes i'm just saying he going for that tax break because a lot of like churches and religious organizations they don't have to pay taxes so yeah that church might be coming yeah, I, I don't know. They always talk about what uh, Chris Jenner has her own church that you know people pay a thousand dollars to be in, and she ain't even a part of it. I, whether that's Jenner, that's true or not. I mean, oh boy. I mean, I'll say as George Carlin would say, one of the biggest rackets there is sometimes. Mm, I just, I just, and then what? Man, I have muted a lot of people. I've unfollowed a lot of people. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, it's, I'm like. Mm. Nope. Can't do it with you. I just can't. I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I've been off Kanye for a little while. There are some people who are now like, now I'm off Kanye. I'm like, fine. If you're like, I can separate the music from the person. Fine with that too. If that's what you want to do. I just, I'm just wondering, where's your line? I want to know where your line is. If you're like, I'm just going to listen to um, college dropout late registrations. I'm like, and I think that's probably fair. He'd be like, yeah, no, before crazy Kanye, I'm like, here's the thing. Here's my theory about we, when people call people crazy. No, you just letting them talk more. Because Tom Cruise been crazier than a bed bug for about, I don't know, he's like 50, about 30 years. 
So y'all just didn't let him talk. He left that seminary and followed Zenu. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, he's been crazy for quite some time, quote unquote, quote unquote crazy. Y'all just let him talk. Notice he didn't talk before. All of a sudden he's talking about, oh, he just became crazy. No, he didn't. Y'all just put a microphone in front of his ass. Y'all put him on Oprah. I don't know why y'all did that. Just, no. Just, so, Kanye's always been like this, but also mental health also can manifest later on in life. So it could have happened later. I don't know. It could have like, he could have had a mental break with his mother died. I don't know. And I'm also not going to blame his dead mama either. I'm like, oh, she died. And I'm like, that's not her fault. He is, he was a grown man when she passed away. I'm like, when are we going to blame Kanye? It can't be his mama or his wife or his children. It can't be everybody else except him. That's how we got R. Kelly for 30 something years because you blamed everybody else. I'm like, no, no, no. It's Kanye. It's just him. If you want to cancel him, cancel him. Nobody ever gets canceled. So he's just going to be fine. But nope, I can't. I just, just, black people don't have no culture. Um, then how did you get so big, sir? How'd you get here? No, black people have culture. It's just that we spent very, like hundreds of years being told our culture was one, insufficient, or not real, or we're not people, or it don't matter, or it was just being stolen. Kind of like indigenous people's culture was stolen. Actually, it was worse than that. Because we actually came, like y'all actually came and took their land and then told them to get the fuck out and or killed them. I, and I always just think about this and I'll pull that Paul Mooney joke. We talk about the Native American tribes and all this other stuff and they're going to casino and these people come out and say, I didn't vote for that. And so <laughs> we did not vote for this at all. Not at all. Uh, there, there was no, there, you know, there was no, there was no telethon. R. Kelly wasn't saying no song. <laughs> no telethon. <laughs> no, we did not pick Nobody picked this. Nobody asked for this. It's nobody. Oh man, no culture. Oh my goodness. It's like where are you? You now you're just talking. And the bad part about it is nobody's correcting him when they talk. No one is saying, "Okay, so no." It's like, uh, why are you just letting this fool talk on y'all? This is y'all platform. Y'all giving him this license to do so. He needs to listen to his old stuff because apparently he didn't lost something in between those times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it was. His mind, his he he's gained quote unquote gain religion. I guess I don't know. No, don't you put Jesus in no box like that. <laughs> yeah, and that is always people like to justify that stuff, justify those things by saying, "Oh, I didn't found it. I didn't found it after I lost it." Sometimes they say you find it when it's the last refuge and nobody else likes you. That's the only. Sometimes that's the only time you all of a sudden find it. Mm-hmm. You be the only one who loves you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that's the show. But before we get on out of here. First, Earl, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for bringing your your sports knowledge back. I I hope you do a deep dive into the Redskins organization on your show because I think that would be fascinating. Oh, yeah, and I know a lot of people who are Redskins fans who gladly talk about it. I mean, oh, my goodness. I was actually going to do a blog post about what I called it. Well, two things I've been running through my head is either going to be don't, comma, stop believing. 
for why am I a fan of this team? Because honestly, everything that you hear about the organization and the mess this team is, and I mean, the only good thing about this season now, the games are under three hours because they've been running the ball so much that nobody wants to see this subpar product on TV. I, I always say this, the Orioles who lost 100 games in Major League Baseball are, are, are on a better path than the Washington Redskins because they got a path. They know what they're doing. The, the, the Redskins have nothing. When when you fire your coach and people don't want to play for the team and this whole thing about uh, Williams having a growth removed from his head that was cancerous and people oh, told him oh my God. not to get it uh, looked at or it's fine, it's normal. And then you still have Bruce Allen after they fired Jay Gruden like, oh, the culture's damn good. Yeah, so that's some damn good culture there. Damn good. <laughs> the fact he said, uh, like, it's something on his head. That is just... That is crazy to me. It's like, uh, I'm sorry. Have that that whole training staff need to be fucking fired. How did y'all miss this? It's like, well, for six years too. Six years that, and like, I mean, if you, and I hope I, it's not too far along that it's not operable. I think they got it removed. It's just and that it was close to a skull, and I, I now they want to try to besmirch him to say, oh, this was a money grab he wants guaranteed money all this other stuff i'm like you're his staff you get paid millions of dollars to keep him healthy this is something very serious why didn't y'all do something it's like what oh no, you just needed him to be on the field no nah, fuck you he could have died Same guy who would who held off on having thumb surgery knee surgery when he needed to play for them at any time last season he only had that growth removed after he was in the middle of having those surgeries that is just ridiculous. Was well, it probably a, a, a Redskins apologist the whole time? And all of a sudden, when it happens to you, something like that happens to you. And I will tell you before: people who come in with a high pedigree and credentials, when they leave, they you know they're dragged in the mud. All of a sudden, you like all of a sudden it's like, oh nope, he's trying to like get money from us. No, he's not. Like, no, he's not. Just stop. Okay. Just that just made me mad because I'm like, oh, people can die from that. But before we get on out of here, Earl, let everybody know how they can find you and how they can find the Sports Refuge podcast. Oh, yeah. The, the best way you can find us, we are on Twitter at the Sports Refuge. And, and you can also reach out to me, the Earl Holland. And on Instagram, it's Sports Refuge Sports Blog. And on Facebook, we're Sports Refuge Sports Blog. We always have clips of excerpts of episodes, previous episodes, teasers for upcoming episodes, things like that. We're going to try to start doing a few more videos of uh, recent trips, well, trips in the past year did to different ballpark stadiums. Some of them will include Chicago, Milwaukee. Those are things that we're going to be discussing and, and doing a couple blog posts on those. And, of course, uh, I'm on Facebook, Earl Holland. and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do appreciate this opportunity to be on here and to talk about a lot of stuff. I always say, I mean, I'm, I'll admit I'm more than just sports and I like talking about a lot of things. And yeah, I, I look forward to definitely coming back on the podcast because this was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Sort of broadening that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And that was my appearance on the Mocha Minutes podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you know someone who might enjoy this episode or any of our previous shows, please feel free to share. Next time, my guest will be Meredith Esguera, a former All-Star player on the University of Maryland Eastern Shore's Honda Campus All-Star Challenge team. 
In this episode, we'll discuss how she got interested in the competitive aspect of trivia, what it was like attending an HBCU, and how she adjusted to moving from California to Maryland. You can find this episode and previous episodes of The Sports Refuge on The Sports Refuge website, or you can subscribe to the show wherever podcasts are heard. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to The Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.